Two movies. Three rounds. One winner. Welcome to the Movie Battle Podcast. of the movie battle podcast horror season edition i didn't know it was hockey season i'm joined by seller Ke- bob dole and i'm kang <laughs> i couldn't remember what the next line was so well you were bill clinton if i'm bob dole you're bill clinton uh, i just yeah i just remember that bit Ke- anyway um latest edition yes it is well done we leave it there We'll, we'll leave it there, so. We'll leave it there, so. Thank you. And good night. Um, but while we're here, we may as well add, oh, yes, yeah, with the, with the add, add a little epilogue. Yes, a very long epilogue. <laughs> Far longer than the uh, than the actual episode. Mm. Indeed. We're really losing it here. We just... <laughs> it feels very Python-esque. Where they, like, the episode where they replayed... It was like twenty five minutes into the episode, and then I was like, "And and now for those of you who missed it, here's the entire episode again." And then they play the entire episode and fast forward up to the end. What you said they just played. I loved the section played the episode. <laughs> Probably didn't have that allocated. That well, time no, they only had the half an hour. So yeah. uh, uh, okay, so back on topic. Yeah, back on topic. Yeah, so uh, the next episode is uh, nineteen thirty one Dracula versus nineteen thirty one Frankenstein. Directors? Uh, the directors have gone on my head, actually. Lame. You had one job. You had one job. One of them. Uh, it's James Whale. Directed Frank- yeah, Frankenstein. And who directed Dracula? Uh, I'm in my head earlier today with this. I'm googling it one second. This is, this is scandalous. What is this? Episode 7? Uh... I don't even know anymore. It is episode seven, and uh, an episode. I was reading recently that um, if a podcast makes a podcast makes a past episode seven, then uh, it's here to stay. And so many podcasts die up to the seventh episode. So, so did they get to the seventh, or is it just before they get to the? Seventh? I think seventh is like the last one they do. So there's still a chance it was dying out. There's still a chance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's always yeah. a chance. Yeah, yeah. Especially when Dracula is about. Um, and it was directed by Todd Browning. And Carol Freund was uncredited. Yeah. Okay, that is who directed it. You hadn't seen either. Oh, you had seen Frankenstein, you hadn't seen Dracula. I hmm, I think I had seen Frankenstein, but there were large, there was parts of it that I didn't remember or didn't. I was, I, I think I may have seen it once, but. Probably not, just hadn't seen it. Yeah, often you know, it seems to um, once or twice. There's a lot of stuff you'll forget. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, these are two of the most iconic characters in the history of film, let alone horror. It's just in film, um. So it's impossible not to know almost everything about them. And then, obviously, on top of that, they're also two of the biggest just horror novels ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's case to that even if if you if you haven't seen the film, if you've only seen it like once or twice, or you've never seen it. And obviously, as you said, you'll still know a lot about yeah, if you... Frankenstein's monster and Dracula. But the other characters is where it kind of like 
you're not sure what their part is to play in that a lot of the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's, that's kind of that's, that's, that's true. So that's sorry. true. I mean, but like, the tropes are well established, like well, well, well established. Um, basically, every vampire since has followed the rules laid out by Bram Stoker and Mr. Browning. Um, kind of similar to how, like you know, uh, Lord of the Rings set the rules for fantasy, and basically every fantasy series has followed them since uh, with that kind of impact but yeah everyone listening to this knows who Dracula is and the impact it had and same with Frankenstein's monster but we dive into round one music uh, this is going to be a pretty brief round <laughs> um, I do have a couple of things to say okay so we're assuming if you're listening to this you've seen the movies right so uh you know going in why and if you haven't short round. if you haven't seen them just literally take you five minutes to hear the music <laughs> yeah the, sound, the soundtrack for both films will take you 10 minutes if that i'd say yeah. probably less um okay so neither film have a soundtrack uh they both have a theme an opening theme and frankenstein has, closing has a theme. closing theme but on on dracula's i'll be honest I was really shocked when it started because, like, I'm a fan of Tchaikovsky. Like, I know Tchaikovsky and I know Swan Lake. Um, and I was not, a, I mean, I, I'm not an expert or anything, but, like, I have heard it and I've enjoyed it. Um, but I was really surprised to hear that open Dracula. I was expecting something more gothic, uh, more tr- maybe more organy. Hmm. Um, I'm not saying it was a bad choice. Um, it it took me a while to kind. Of, I mean, I'd say it took me a while. It was only what three minutes. But at first, I was like, "Huh, okay." And you probably heard me. I was like, "Jeez, I'm not expecting that." Um, but I think it's because I was so familiar with the piece beforehand. Um, but as it played on, I kind of I kind of got it. I got why they chose it. It, it did feel, but by by the last minute or so. I kind of understood the feel like that they were going for and Look, why it worked. There's three things for me I haven't. Like, it has an air of being mysterious. It has a slightly kind of alluring vibe to it as it mm. crescendos. Mm. And then as it closes, there's that kind of, it's like a warning almost. It's very kind of yeah, I mean, harsh. I, which yeah. kind of like, I felt kind of was like when when um Reinfeld is uh, warned by the villagers. Is that Renfield? Or Renfield, sorry is uh, warned by the villagers is kind of that warning uh, so I feel it kind of touched on components of the film and themes that you will experience as you watch the film so even though it was quite brief and it's only that little bit it did kind of work I, I agree um, and, and as I said like as it went on I kind of got it I understood why they chose it more and that's probably exactly what you're saying you know that it, it does start to kind of echo or, or um, preempt the emotions and what they're going for in especially the opening mm-hmm. scene um when they arrive at the village um w- one thing i did kind of notice because i didn't know going in that they didn't have a score you obviously did uh, i had forgotten to be honest. had you forgotten as well no. okay because i i I think as i said i had seen frankenstein but i had forgotten they didn't have a score but um it was took me a while to realize there's no score in this film like it took me and i'll be honest I would say at no occasion, at no point in the film that I think, mm, 
it really needed a score there. Yeah, I think for both films, um, it works in the, in their favor for quite a few scenes. Um, not having music, like I'm not saying the music wouldn't have worked in certain moments, but there's certain moments in both films where I felt like the silence almost it adds to it. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I think in any good film, there's there's going to be moments of silence, and there's going to be moments of music, um, and I'm sure. And I think, I'll get to this in a second. I'm sure you can do film in, music in this film and it worked. But what my point is, is that there wasn't music and it still worked. Like, it, because we're in the middle of, we're in post-production of a short horror film we'll be releasing in a couple of weeks' time. And Get that in there. Uh, <laughs> it's called Chantier. <laughs> and um, we're literally just looking for music for the, for our film at the moment. And when I watch it back without the music it's clearly lacking I think you'd agree like there are scenes where you're like oh we need music because it just that is just not working without it this film and Frankenstein both don't have that I never once thought oh we need music because that's feeling that's fallen very flat there didn't happen um I mean I think music and Music was, they actually commissioned, Philip Glass did a score for Dracula in 1998, I believe. And Can you watch that? Yeah. Um, I can see it. Uh, they released it, I think, on, on home video and VHS, and then also on DVD, they released it with uh, option. I don't know if it's on your Blu-ray, if the option is to play it with Glass's score or not. So when I read that, I was just reading that, and I, I Googled it then. Um, I watched a clip on YouTube. And uh, it was a scene with um, where Renfield, you know, um, drinks the wine, you know, and and the the uh, the wives oh, come in out, and, yeah. and yeah, and he collapses, um, and it was beautiful because Philip Glass and he did Truman Show, oh, I think yeah, he did, yeah, and he also did Candyman, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, he he he's an amazing composer, um, and he and like what I heard of it, I, I listened to some of it then afterwards on Spotify, uh, and I really liked it actually, um. So I definitely want to go back and watch it. Uh, but overall, I felt that, obviously, we only have the theme, opening theme, but the film didn't fall down for lack of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I said, I kind of touched on what I thought yeah, the music yeah, yeah. brought to it and then also the, the silence and it worked as well. So I think I'd just be kind of repeating myself if I kind of... Yeah, know. no, no, that's fine. We'll move on to Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, so I felt that the opening theme was less distinctive. Um, obviously, as I said earlier, I knew, I, I knew that piece by Tchaikovsky beforehand. Uh, this is not a piece that I'd ever heard before. And it felt, which it is harsh to say, you know, a very samey of classic Hollywood. But I, I can't help. I mean, they they do tend to kind of merge together. You you put that up and you put a passage from King Kong, and I, I'm not gonna know which is which. Mm. Um. Yeah, I just said that on the music for the opening on on um on Frankenstein. It's I could again sense there's a little bit a little bit of kind of disaster in there, and there was also a little bit of kind of I felt like absurdity at times in the music, which maybe kind of was a, a nod to kind of the situation of trying to bring the de- a dead body back to life. Uh, but I didn't get as much um, uh, of a sense of what's in the film from the music as I did with the opening of Dracula. No. Yeah, it felt um, generic to me. But as I said, then though, um, 
it had the same use then of the silence um, worked on a lot of the scenes to create tension and and horror which we'll obviously get into in the next round um, but yeah that's again there's nothing more I can really say on it so much <laughs> yeah well, well uh, one thing I would say is that well, it also has a closing theme and actually I preferred that um, I thought it it fit the emotion at the end um, and I disagree I, I kind of thought the opening um, fit the emotion or fit the sense of the film a bit more than the closing but you know, see, for me, I'll explain why. Because, and I'm kind of <laughs> spoilers for the end of our review, if that's a thing. <laughs> but um, I hated the ending of this film. I'll explain why later. I won't go into details now. But uh, it like the end with a happy theme, and which I found infuriating. Um, but in some ways, it compounded the tragedy of. The creature, um. Well, actually, it was Boris Karloff. Preferred. I mean, a lot of people call it Frankenstein's monster, but Boris Karloff. I was when we saw the documentary there the other night. Uh, he was saying he always referred to it as the creature. So I will, in his honor, uh, refer to it as the creature as much as I can in this, unless I forget. Um. Yeah. So it, it hammered home that kind of, kind of. You know what it reminded me of? The ending of this reminds me of uh, Shylock in Merchant of Venice. Where the audience, I feel, is supposed to be happy for Antonio. Antonio, who's the other guy? Yeah, Antonio, yeah. Yeah, for Antonio. Mm-hmm. And hate Shylock. But I, I don't like Antonio. And I felt bad for Shylock. I, I feel he Frankenstein's creature is Shylock of this story. And Henry is Antonio. Like we're supposed to be happy for him at the end with his wife. Like I, I couldn't, couldn't care less about him to be honest. In fact, the opposite. I, I wished him a bad death. But, uh, I felt the happy theme compound compounded my anger at. Uh, so in a way, I felt it actually worked really well. But um, but I don't know if that. See, we'll go into that later. We'll go into later about the the themes and the, the intentions of the of the closing scene. But um, yeah, that that's me on music. We ready to vote? Really direct. Are you you want to? <laughs> that? No, I, I'm done. Okay, okay, that. okay. So um, you ready to vote? Yeah. Okay. What do you want to go for? Uh, I'm gonna go with Dracula. Okay. I'm sorry to just did a just to recap over just just that it gave more in its opening and felt more related relatable to what we saw um in the film. More so than what Frankenstein did. That's that's the only reason, really, because um, both the music is brief in both films. Obviously, but that was what gave it to Dracula. Yeah, um, and I would agree. Um, I think Dracula is. I mean, it fit the it fit it better, but it's also just a better piece of music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's captivating. I mean, obviously, it's it's unbelievably memorable. Swan Lake is one of the most famous pieces of, I think, twentieth century, uh, classical music, you know, of all time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt it's it's a greater piece of music, and I think I agree with you. I think it fit the story better as well. Oh, and just to point out, the score of Frankenstein uh, was composed by Bernard Cowan. 
Um, really? Forgot to throw that in there. Oh, because uh, you're an independent musician. But, yeah, but I vote for Dracula, yeah. Okay, so Dracula takes the lead. Takes the lead. Takes indeed the lead. Um, okay, so we will move on to round two. Horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, which... Um, yeah, which is, as I said, which last week, like, it kind of, um, it makes sense to have that as a category, just simply because of the films we're doing. I don't think we have to explain why we're discussing horror in the two greatest, uh, oldest horror franchises in the history of cinema. Fair enough. <laughs> just, just dive in, Liam. Um, yeah, so, um, again, it's, it's... With both films, really, they're atmospheric. I mean, they're out of a certain time. Obviously, you know, they come out in the thir- early 30s. So if you're looking at it from a certain angle, they're not scary films in that, you know, you're not going to be, like, terrified watching this film. But they do conjure up uh, a real sense of a, of an atmosphere. They're very gothic, you know. But there are certain moments that, like, are creepy and kind of are unsettling. Um, just an example, even just even if you uh, win... When Renfield is coming in the carriage, and you see the, the there's a woman, there's two ladies looking out the window, and there's like look in their eyes, and there's like people praying, and the fact that they're so adamant for him not to go in the castle and don't leave at night, uh, you know the fear that has been built around this this Dracula, you know this this figure, um, you really get a sense of kind of um, the power he has, even with people that he hasn't personally affected, but just from hearing things about him, you know, there's a real sense of aura and mystique and 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 power about him you know so yeah. that 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 was striking yeah i'll be honest i kind of disagree with what you're saying i agree i agree with the the last part of what you said very much so but the first part about it not being horror like or not, I didn't being, say it wasn't horror. not being that scary i disagree um i i i found dracula really creepy and eerie in in this film oh, i didn't and, say it wasn't eerie and there's a tone a lot of tone there and it's a great film to watch come up to Halloween, right? You know, I, yeah, no, I love like, the like, atmosphere. I, I, I think, like, I, I think there's a lot of modern horror films could take, could, could, should go back and watch this and take note of how to do subtle horror. Like, there's not one jump scare in this film. There's no, no things jump out at you and blah, loud noise. Oh, God, I jumped because there was a loud noise. There's none of that. It, it, it's It's genuine... Emotion, like you say, they set him up so well. When Renfield arrives into the village, and you, the the fear is palpable, like everyone is on, on edge, even before they find out where he wants to go, and then he wants to go at midnight, and like you, you could see in their faces, like you say, how afraid they are, and like uh, there's one one um character or one villager in particular, the woman when she hands him the crucifix and says, wear this for your mm. mother's sake. And you really feel, one, I thought she, she she delivered that line excellently. And I really feel her fear, but also her love in a way, like her, her love for her fellow man, you know, mm-hmm. that she was genuinely worried about this man. Like she knew, she knew he was going to his doom. She knew that there was no good ending to, to this journey. That's why they begged him not to go. And that's why, and I thought that set him up perfectly um i i loved that opening scene i thought it was really really well done um and i even like you were saying like so like 
like the, these are villagers that maybe not directly I'm sure probably some of their villages were taken I mean possibly yeah I'd say they definitely were because if you look as he's going back up the hill and you probably see them coming down but I only noticed them when they were going out of the village massive crucifix mm. the edge of the village um, yeah and then obviously and then you go to well there's a, there's a before uh, Renfield gets to the castle there's mm. a shot of Dracula kind of awakening and you see his wives yeah. coming out and there's two of them walking and there's one of them just standing there just staring she's not moving she's just staring and it's really unsettling it's it just a visual it's just like yeah. it's just really strange yeah very you know? ghost like yeah yeah but the one in particular who's just kind of standing there she's not moving on the right there's two of them walking up and one of them just standing there and that's what I'm saying like, that, that is horror that's scary I'm not saying it's not horror yeah. I didn't say it wasn't horror and there is it's great it's, great. it's a really good atmospheric film I just feel because it came out in the early 30s, because of all the stuff that came out since, at times it can seem tame, you know. That's all I'm saying. But I'm not yeah, saying that there wasn't great tone in it. Yeah, but I don't think you need to be over the top to be scared. No, you don't. No, you don't at all. And I say I agree. You don't need jump scares to make things scary at all. And you don't need blood and gore to be scary. No, you don't. Um, it's, about, it's about atmosphere, which this film mm. is chock full of. And and I, I often think as well, as like I was, we said it with King Kong, can you imagine going into the cinema in 1931, never having seen, you know, a horror film? I mean, you, pretty much. I mean, I, I don't know what kind of horror they had in the silent era, but, I, you know, any of the silent films I'm aware of, they weren't horror films. They were largely comedies, but I, I could be wrong on that. So, you know, apologies to all the great horror, lost horror silent films that I'm not aware of. But you go into that and... Like there's no way that you know you don't you walk out the same person like you just gonna be like what did I just watch like that's gonna be akin to as I say King Kong akin to uh, maybe Jurassic Park that kind of the mm-hmm. first time we saw yeah yeah but it just blown their minds yeah see and I'm like saying that. is is the fact that Dracula has been so overdone so parodied so ripped off so many sequels so many crap B movie sequels that it still grabbed me like. When you see Bela Lugosi's eyes, you don't forget. Like, I, I, I mean, I know we see it earlier when he starts hypnotizing the characters, and like, you totally believe it. Like, those eyes are hypnotic. I've never seen like a stare like that on on screen before. It's incredible screen presence. Um, I love the um when so when Renfield arrives at the castle and the kind of the creaky. Creaky door. Again, like you were saying, it's all the cliches that have been done to death now. But at yeah. the time, you have to, at the time, you know, uh, the door opening and he walks in. This the, the the sheer vast size of the castle. Oh yeah, just engulfs yeah, yeah. him. The, the set, small, sets are fantastic. You know, as unbelievable. Well. Um, unbelievable. But you know what I love as well. Just before he goes in, is when uh, Dracula disappears. The driver's gun just the back bash, there. Yeah. That was a lovely little touch. Yeah. Um, I really like that. But yeah, he, he when he goes in and then you see Dracula descend those steps. What was nice was he doesn't see him. Yeah, he turns because he sees like so here something looks mm. back and then you just see yeah. Dracula walking down and it's like because he makes reference later about with the spider and the web, and he says about this about the spider needs to feed on the blood or to, to live or something like that. Yeah, and obviously it's an analogy for what he intends to do. Yeah, you know? re- like Renfield is the fly. Renfield is the fly. He's yeah. a massive yeah. web at top, and also the fact I love that. Dracula passes through the web without tearing yes, it, but Renfield yeah. has to chop it yeah, down. Yeah. Um. Another. Again, like again, I don't know how 
popular visual metaphors were back then, I could be doing a disservice to films of the era, but I I imagine that that was maybe among the first kind of of those. Uh, in 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 cinema, I, I could be again. I could be wrong there. I should do more research. What, what's interesting about it, so when I kind of that shot, when you see the castle, like how big it is, it kind of it almost kind of you're transfixed by it, mm. which is kind of what Dracula does to his victims, you know. Which I, I forgot to mention how cool that matte painting of the castle was when the carriage is going up. Going to up, it. yeah, that yeah, looks that phenomenal. Like the entire the land is so barren mm. and dead. Like it just that is you know he's a you know that is what he and the wives are just dead and there's no like there's not I don't is there like even a tree there's maybe a couple of trees but there's no grass growing there's no you know crops growing certainly not I mean obviously he's a he's a rich count he's got probably mm. you know hundreds of hectares of land but um but as well even just kind of like because we were talking about the soundtrack and lack of music right so the kind of this the silence yeah. in the castle becomes so um undeniable mm. you know and that kind of it, up yeah, because or... any sound that he hears, like the, yeah. the wolves howling, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or the flutter of the bats, um, yeah. or even Dracula himself, his voice, mm-hmm. like what but he, a or, voice! But he, or even yeah, his voice was fantastic. Or I love his line about the, you know, listen to them children of the night. Children of the night. What, I mean, there's so many there. lines from this film as well, like that are just so iconic, and they still work. That that's what amazes me is that. Like these are lines that you maybe heard a hundred times, and I've never seen this film before, and I've heard maybe a hundred times, heard heard it sampled in music and heard it parodied in you know in children's cartoons, and it still worked. It still, I thought was powerful. Um, hearing it. Um, even like as well, like when he kind of like opens the coffin to, to come out again, it's all kind of. It's like a silent movie nearly in a way you know because mm. there's no sound and that's very... clear as well because even yeah. the first time I noticed the similarities to a silent film was actually the makeup how thick the makeup was it was you got to do it I think with the type of film they were using or maybe the type of lenses I'm not sure but they had to wear really 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 heavy makeup otherwise they couldn't really be seen and that's why often if you look at silent films uh, in particular uh, their faces look quite weird mm. um, they look quite off um, but also, like, they took a lot of stuff from kind of theatre and then put it onto camera. Well, even their movements were very theatrical. Oh, massively. You know. um, but all, almost all of those actors would have been theatrical yeah. actors. Um, and it, it's it's clear. Like, it, it can be quite over the top at times. Mm-hmm. But also, like, because this, I'm not, like, they're doing what? Uh, talkies, as they refer to them, maybe a couple of years at this point. Like, they're still, you can see they're still trying to find out how to do it, how to transition. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, a lot of great um, silent movie stars' careers just died up uh, once, um, uh, you know, audio came in. You know, you could hear and record sound. There was two visuals uh, um, I found quite striking as well. Of uh, So when, you know, when Lucy is like in her bedroom at the window and you just mm. see him kind of just staring up at her. Yeah. Again, it's kind of a thing where he's targeted kind of the next victim. But more so was when Renfield, you know, maid collapses, she faints and he kind of, <laughs> he's like a literally like a spider but also like um, what's that? Br- Bray Wyatt you know, when he does his finishing manoeuvre the way he kind of I don't yeah but he kind of moves the way he contorts his body it's like a the way he moves walk into over anyway, like a spider the way he yeah. kind of crawls over um, oh yeah yeah really... that, 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 that was a fantastic shot yeah when Renfield crawls over um, it was it, an easy target for him because she I, said she I feel like I've seen that shot a hundred times in other films um, 
just the, the, the monster, for want of a better word, yeah. crawling towards the victim. I have to say that like, for me, the most, um, in terms of the horror and the tension, uh, I found the stuff in the castle the best at the beginning. Like the, that was when Renfield goes in. That it, was my favourite aspect. It's the most atmospheric. Yeah, it is very much. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love that. I, I, I do. I did find the film starts slowing down. If It starts getting a little by the numbers as it goes along. Um, like with Van Helsing getting in, okay, I don't know we'll get to him in later in characters, mm-hmm. but I'll be honest, he, he kind of irritated me a little bit. I, I found him very boring. Mm-hmm. Um, there was n- nothing really about him that was interesting. Um, we'll do that in characters anyway. Yeah, yeah, but we'll get into that later. Um, that's all. I'm kind of that's yeah, me on horror well, anyway. There, well, there's a couple little bits that I, I liked. One was um, the reflection in the mirror scene. Mm. The, the reveal that yeah. was a great because again like people watching this don't know there are you know, the, the rules the of rules vampires, vampires right yeah. so um, I loved I, lo- I loved that scene it was so subtle like the, the way they shot it it was shot really well um, you wouldn't like I didn't see it coming either, to be honest you know no yeah you don't think I think I did when I saw the mirror coming up because I don't know why but I did kind of see it but I loved it I thought it worked really really well um, and uh there's also like some kind of shots. There's a shot of Lucy when she's just walking on the street and she's the Lady of White. Just some of those, just some of the imagery. Just and you see the shot of the beautiful kind of huge gates and mm. you know there's maybe a policeman and she's walking along the street as the Lady of White. Just some of the beautiful visuals. Same with the uh, the wives when Renfield is passed out and they're gliding over towards him. Yeah. Some of, and yeah, he, that was he, he comes out of the mist. Yeah. Um, <coughs> it's really, uh, really powerful classic image like they look beautiful as, as stills you know blown up on, you know as a poster on the wall or something you know like you could frame some of the, a lot of these uh frame uh, stills but um yeah um i did i, I really enjoyed it and i i love the fact as i said earlier that there, you know there were no jump scares there was a real subtlety mm-hmm. to the oh, horror yeah um but yeah we move on to frankenstein yeah okay um i loved the intro <laughs> Uh, you know the intro where like there's the, oh, the, yeah. the warning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love that, and it's an, another classic example of Simpsons references that I never got as a child. <laughs> well, so again, has the theater aspect as well, like the yeah, show announcing very show. much so, very much so, yeah. Um, but it's just a great little uh idea to like, you know, we warned you, mm. like it's you know, yeah, it's tongue in cheek. Um. For me, like this, the horror in in Frankenstein is all about the foreboding kind of sense of it. Like most of the eerie kind of moments, it's all kind of it's like it builds and builds. Like just even just something small, like for example, when 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 uh, Frankenstein's working on on the body, and you just kind of see the hand hanging yeah. on the table. Even though it's before it's a couple of maybe about three minutes before he actually comes to life, but just seeing the hand hang there. You just sense life in it, even though you know it's not alive. You know what I mean? Just little things like that, or even like when he, you hear the footsteps approaching. You know when he's talking to the professor, and he's like, "Listen, you just hear the footsteps coming, about to get the reveal of what he looks like." You know, it is. It's very um, just, it's a, just just that sense of, of kind of foreboding sense of of what is to come. You know? Yeah, it was subtle as well. Yeah. Like, but I, I also um really liked um you know the scenes where the grave digging. 
Like mm. there was something just very kind of unnerving about that, and especially the scene with the gallows with the man hanging. Yeah. Uh, that that was quite a horrifying image. Mm. You know, yeah. It, it was, well, so so was when when they find Fritz. Oh. Yes, yeah, no, definitely. But one one thing uh, as well, just just uh, before we kind of go on to kind of near uh, the uh, that I really liked was uh, was two things actually in the intro. Uh, the the eyes, the eyes they had in the intro. Did you notice them in mm-hmm. the background? No. They had these like illustration of these eyes in different shapes and kind of different angles, and it was really psychedelic. Um, and I'm very, I mean, and surrealism, not psychedelic, sorry, surreal. Surrealism as an art movement uh, kind of started becoming big around the time this came out. And I wonder if it was influenced by surrealism. Like, like Dali did um, uh, The Persistence of Memory, he painted that the same year this came out. I wonder if surrealism influenced that piece. And it also really reminded me of uh, the dream sequence from uh, Spellbound, um, the Alfred Hitchcock film that Dali did design. And it's got these all these eyes featured, and this is what well, I think about fourteen years before that. But um, it just really struck me. The other thing I loved in the credits was it says the monster, and then it says question mark. Yeah, that was cool. I loved that. Uh, at the uh, end, then it does give his name. It does give a name at the end, but again, similar to the intro, it's a great way of just setting up like, oh, what's going on here? What this is going to be different? It's going mystery, to be something interesting. Um, I like that little kind of play with the audience, almost breaking the fourth wall, you know, in a way. But um, but yeah, I I, I the, the Fritz scene. I mean, to be honest, Fritz, Fritz. Well, he bring, a, he brings it on himself. Like. He is a horrific yeah. character. Mm. Um, the horror. I mean, the horror for me. I mean, I, I like you said like the 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 subtle, um, you know, the arm hanging down and the sound of the footsteps coming up. But that, that again, like Dracula, that close up look of those dead eyes. Mm. I mean, it, it looks it, very menacing. It is. It is an unnerving image. Um, it still struck me, even though it's an image you know you every child has seen or every person. You has also seen. see shadow on the wall when Henry's kind of mm. beckoning him to the chair. Yeah, and like even though he towers over, but the shadow really towers over, and it kind of again it's like a another kind of a dimension of kind of the power and size of him, you know, because um, you know later it's kind of almost like a it's kind of like as I said that kind of sense of foreboding where later in the film he does attack Henry and they do with those scuffles and he's like very much overpowering him you know it's like a kind of a sign of things to come in a way. yeah and you wonder does he kind of not realise how strong he is for a while like mm. he's because he's learning everything yeah Um. I mean even like that scene where he learns what sunlight is yeah you know a lot of very moving scenes mm. in this it's a very emotional film just going back to the hand again you know when, when the professor's working on him after they've said that they can, he'll put him mm. uh Humanely put him down, you remember? Well, I don't know. Well, about that's that. what he was intent, you know. But you know, then the hand kind of he. So he said he said dissect him. Yeah, did he? Yeah. Okay. Because he said to me he put him down humanely. We kept injecting him. We kept coming back to life. He's going to dissect him. That's not. Funny. Oh no! But he did say to Henry or to Henry, I'll put him down humanely. He did say that to him. Yeah, but he also says put him down like a dog, or put him down like an animal. Uh, but when his hand is slowly kind of coming up, and also you see his eyes. Uh, opening again it's that thing of that build you know what's coming but it's that weight you know, that makes it very creepy and, and uneasy you know what I mean yeah no I, I agree yeah when when you see something when the audience knows something and, and the person and you know the receiving end doesn't I think it's almost always scarier than when we learn at the same time 
that's it can work obviously mm. reveals can work very well but some so much so often it's used just with a loud pang of music and it's a jump scare and uh, it's, we've like we've all seen Psycho you know I mean Psycho did it perfectly and since from then on it's just kind of been like worse versions of Psycho you know what I mean it's kind of like you know with Jaws Jaws did sharks you can't do sharks after Jaws what's the point um jump scares I <laughs> I just really find them irritating. Well, like an example of not using the jump scares, like, so do you know when Elizabeth is in her room because um, they hear that the monster's in the house and he says, no, you stay in the room, dear. And you just, you see Frankenstein, or the, sorry, Frankenstein's monster in the background coming in the window. And that's almost, that, like, you could picture, like, in a modern day horror, possibly, yeah. they just have her turn and then boom, he's just there. But you see him come in the window. Yeah. You see him follow her. She still hasn't noticed it. And again, it's like the scene with the professor before he dies. We see it, but the character hasn't seen it yet. And, Subtlety you know, is scary. Yeah. So easy. Or, yeah, it's certainly eerie. You know. And against that thing in the back, I always think about stuff in the background. So he comes in from the background, the back window, and you're like, oh my God, what's he going to do here? You know, yeah. it's very creepy. You know, and you're scared for her, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, then, of course, we go on to Maria. Mm. That's a scene and a half. Well, just the shot of the father carrying the lifeless body. I mean. Well, that, but also even before that, <clears throat> what really struck me was um, that he didn't want to hurt her. He didn't understand what he was doing. Um, and you see the panic in his face. But also the image of him throwing a child in. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. I mean, jarring now. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah. that's an image that, you, you see in a film released this year and... I'd be shocked, mm-hmm. um, especially as you say when we cut to the father carrying her through the streets, yeah. and you hear and the, the festival going around him and the music and the, the dancing and everyone's laughing and cheering and then he's walking through with the straw. You do hear as well. It sounds like a child's voice saying, "That's Maria." It's like probably yeah. someone, a friend, or yeah, yeah. someone. The fact, if I had a child, then it made it even more. Yeah, impact, you know. It's, um, um, in the windmill, or say the windmill scene, then mm. I a different type of kind of um, horror where it kind of so you know when he kind of tries to escape and then the monster spots him and they're going around that kind of um, I don't know what it was whatever the thing that was turned on the windmill the whatever the thing was they were it's a windmill yeah yeah but what was that thing that was kind of turning or spinning that's the windmill or whatever it was yeah okay yeah. um they were on either side of it but if um it reminded me kind of of like. An innate fear of being... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. On the inside. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was a, some kind of cog that was turning yeah. the windmill. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. Um, but uh, it reminded me of, like, that kind of just innate fear of being chased by a monster. It's kind of like, just like the ultimate childhood terror. You know, we are trying to escape from it and it's after you, you know. That's what I really got from that scene. You know? Yeah, no, I, I, I like that as well um, because there's great framing. Mm, Actually, yeah. great framing in the entire film. Uh, as well, similar to Dracula, both of these films are framed fantastically. Um, but in in that, there's a great framing where they were cutting between them, and there is kind of a suggestion, like you know, this is father and son. Mm. This is maybe a bit of yin and yang, Jacqueline Hyde maybe. Um, there's all kinds of suggestions of that. Like this is this is the battle of of God versus man. You know, this is as Frankenstein or as Henry um, it's weird that he's called Henry in this I mean yeah. and he has a friend called Victor that's really strange but uh, anyway it's Henry in this um, 
and you know, I mean, he had that famous line, which we kind of I mean, mentioned. Okay, so just in case you haven't read the book, in the book, his name is Victor. I think, but I think in most he did almost everything. He's Victor, Victor as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's weird what he's ending with. But um, but you know that famous line, obviously that everyone knows. You know, um, um, it's alive, it's alive. Now I know what it feels like to be God, or mm. something like that. Um, I mean, in a way, he is God, and the creature is man. You know, and it's man fighting God. You know, this, uh, as many people often say, like, God God did a bad job, but he made man, you know. Uh, uh, and so there's a lot of philosophical avenues you can go into with this mm. that are, are really quite fascinating. And even, the, the, uh, maybe we went to later, but this was not really horror, so we'll, we'll go on from that. But um, the, the when he throws Henry down, and he seems to, like, crush his mm. spine. I think he landed on his stomach. Ah, uh, was it? Yeah. I don't know the way he the way he landed. Well, you see him sliding off, see. Yeah, I know, but no, yeah, but no man survives that fall. I'm not saying it's survival. I'm just saying that he was his stomach that he hit. Anyway, it doesn't matter what way he what what side he landed on. He he landed in an excruciating way that surely would have killed him. But it looked extremely violent. Um, and then the howls of fear and pain as his. He's set on fire, essentially crushed and then set on fire and burns to death. It is really he doesn't actually because he does come in the. Well, we're talking about this film. No, no, I'm just saying. Okay, but we're not reviewing any sequels. We're reviewing this film, and in this film, as far as work, I can see he he burned to death. Um, and it reminded me of the Wicker Man. Uh, even though I've never seen that film, but I'm aware of the, again, spiders. Um, I won't say what, but there's a scene that's similar in The Wicker Man. Um, the howls of pain and fear were really, uh, really effective. Um, it struck me, you know, that I thought it was really, uh, really hard to listen to, to be honest. Hard to watch. <clears throat> um, well, yeah, you could say it was like a hate crime, I suppose, because they're kind of shouting up at him, you know. He's essentially a child. You know, he's what? A few weeks old? If that. You know, it's... It's really cruel ending. Um, But yeah. At least you get the happy music. (laughs) Mm. But really powerful. And uh, I think a horrifying way to end the film. Uh, but and I think and originally that was the ending. Mm. Uh, Might have been a more powerful. H- Henry ending. died in the original ending. They both die, basically. Well, yeah, they both well. die, and uh, and um, the studio suggested to Whale that they um, change it. They wanted a happy ending, so they filmed the last scene with the Baron and. Actually, the uh, Henry well, they established he's, he's recovering, right? Yeah, but Henry and Elizabeth inside—they're not the original actors. They're different stand-ins because they filmed it after the fact. Um, that that was added afterwards. Yeah. But apparently, James Whale liked that. Yeah. I, I I didn't like it. Um, I think it would have been way better if they just cut it there. Henry dead, the creature dead, and that closing shot. The wide shot of the of the mill on fire on the hill with the torches, really really powerful shot. Um, but yeah, even in, in spite of that last, addendum scene, 
I thought it was a fantastic uh, close to the film. But uh, yeah, ready to vote? Yeah, picking time. Mm. This is a very, very close one for me, I have to say. Um, let me go first. So. Yeah, go on. Uh, I'm going to go with Frankenstein because uh, it has, it has a lot of that kind of foreboding sense of the horror to come, uh, which I really liked. And it was probably there was more moments for me, maybe, of that kind of creepy tone of like you know, the slow approach of the footsteps or the hands slowly coming up or descending upon um, Elizabeth and her not seeing it. But then, and obviously, then there's the striking image of the child uh, in the, the child in the father's arms. So I think. There was probably more moments of horror that I felt were stronger uh, in Frankenstein. They had more of them. So that's probably my reason for going with Frankenstein. Yeah, I, um, I, I find it very close. Um, I felt like Dracula was more traditional gothic horror. Like it's eerie. You know, very kind of ghost story-like. You know, uh, unnerving and, and creepy. Uh, Frankenstein is 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 a tragedy, um, and it's it's more emotionally horrifying, kind of what happens to this creature and what also what happens to uh, Maria in particular as well. Um, yeah, I think I think I have to give it to Frankenstein though, because it just it grabbed me more emotionally. I was affected more. I was horrified more by the imagery and the actions going on screen. It's very close, but yeah, I have to give it to Frankenstein. All square. So that makes two all. Two all going into the uh, Crucial Countdown Conundrum. Um, it's, uh, yeah, so it's uh, neck and neck as we head in to the home straight. But before we move on to the um, final round, we uh, just want to plug where you can find us uh, online. Yeah, so if you want to uh, send us an email, you can find us at themoviebattlepodcast.gmail.com. And you can also find us on Facebook as well with just The Movie Battle Podcast. Yeah, and then we're on Twitter. Um, Twitter handle is at moviebattlepod, P-O-D. And uh, on Twitter, we release, um, and on Facebook, with every new episode we release each week, we also release a piece of unique pixel art. Um, so you only get them on the social media pages. Uh, and then also on YouTube, we, we have the full podcast on um, on YouTube. And we have an animated intro there if you want to check it out. Something a little different. Um, but yeah, okay, so on to round three characters so characters i have mina van helsing renfield and dracula i have dracula renfield van helsing and harker harker okay just a small little bit yeah okay all right start with harker so um well i just have for him like that he's in the film he's like a lost man who's like powerless to protect the woman he loves um, he can't take her away from London. Uh, he can't understand why the relationship should be in jeopardy, and he really doesn't see the true influence and threat of Dracula. So I think just that's him in a nutshell. In it, like he's not as prominent as he is in the in the in the book, mm. um, at least from what I've read. But that's kind of the kind of the role he plays in it. Like you know, yeah. Um, 
he and Mina together really uh, there's not a whole lot going on not a lot no there's some small like moments. they're just plot points she kind of becomes a little more interesting when I she's mean, under his influence yeah no she she has moments yeah. where she's interesting but I mean overall and well, what did you you said Mina so what did you have on her just like when you first meet her, like she seems quite laid back, you know, and quite um, you know, quite jokey, mm. you know, like, with with um with, with uh, uh, Lucy, Lucy, you know, when when um, like when after after they meet Dracula and she's like imitating him, yeah, and yeah she's yeah. like surprised that like Lucy seems kind of infatuated by him mm. and kind of uh, attracted to him, which is a huge part, obviously, of Dracula and vampires since then is that sense of allure. Um, that you know, it's it. it I mean, he only one victim in this film. Uh, well, if you count the the ship, then maybe, but that's something he had to do. Renville mm-hmm. had to do. But the people he wants to prey on are all women. Mm-hmm. When he arrives in London, it's all women he's preying on. Um, which you know, I, I wonder. I'm not, when, was this written before or after Jack the Ripper? I wonder. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I know, I know it was around the same time. I wonder if something like that had an influence, maybe, on Bram Stoker. Um, it does feel, he feels quite predatory. Um, but anyway, on, on Mina, um, yeah, so she has that kind of, she, there's quite a change in her. But then, like, so when she, after she's been bitten and we kind of just see her talking, she's quite subdued and she feels very much kind of like a lady of the time, you know, kind of. Just does she's told by her father or by a fiance or by a doctor doesn't really have any autonomy. But then you do see her kind of come out of her shell later on when she's under Dracula's chance. Well, she tells him to get the cru- or trance, to, her to get the crucifix off of Van Helsing, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, and there is, there is a creepiness to her in, in, in those imageries, and uh, there's some great imagery as well, like when like when Dracula calls her, I assume telepathically, and she kind of comes under his cloak. Mm. That's a great visual yeah. scene. And also later when she's walking with him down to the abbey, mm-hmm. um, again, her in white. She is now a lady in white, same as Lucy, and obviously also the same as the three wives he had uh, back in Transylvania mm-hmm. as well. Like, I think she, she's focal to the story, but as a player in it in general, I think like Parker, they're kind of smaller pieces of the puzzle. You know, in this, yeah, 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 they're parts yeah. of the story to move the story mm-hmm. along, but they don't actually have. Mina, I suppose, has a bit to her, but mm. I mean, she, I wouldn't call her an amazing character by any means. No, she's not like when you take it to the best characters. She, neither her or Harker would jump at you. Yeah. Like, they're fine in the film, but they're not like standout characters. No, no. Um, um, Van Helsing. Uh yes, Mister Van Helsing. Yes, uh, who he, is in. The actor is in both has a role in both films. Yes. As does the actor who plays Renfield. Yes, in both he films. does. Um, we'll get to him in a minute. But let's go to Van Helsing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Van Helsing, uh, at first, I mean, again, he's quite odd. So obviously, he's supposed to be, I assume, German. I think. Um, obviously, uh, Dracula is, is is from Romania, and I think Van Helsing is supposed to be German. Um, so he has a kind of sense of of. Um, like he's an outsider as well, which is kind of interesting. But he he see he seems he's a bit of a, of a MacGuffin almost, in that like he just happens to have all the right information at the right time, just to move the story along. Like 
he happens to know everything about vampires. And, like, he's able to study that a girl was had her blood, what, drained. And, like, oh, well, it's definitely the undead, then. It's like, what? So, I, I, I like that the other characters are surprised at this. And, like, like Harker and, and uh, me. Well, yeah, because he's all superstitious. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just, like, he has, like, he never makes a mistake, it feels like. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe. I I guess that it, it kind of shows as well though that he's um he's an open-minded character and he's not willing to just accept what's seen in front of you and that there might be more to it. Like you know the line where like they're talking about how Renfield, you know, eats insects or something in Nottingham or something like that, mm-hmm. and he kind of says, uh, "Well, as far as we know, that's what uh, um, Van Helsing says." So saying that like. That's what we know, but there may be more to it. Like you know, I thought that was an interesting. Yeah, I, no, I'd I, 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 I liked like I mean, if he was researching vampires, mm. or like if it was explained that he had hunted vampires back in, you know, continental Europe, and yeah. and you know he has a history in it, and there's a little more of an explanation. It just it just felt a little too um, perfect that he would just have this amazing knowledge, and he would be in town as Dracula arrives from like like he's arriving from Romania to London, and the one guy in England that has a chance of, or one guy in Europe who has a chance of stopping him, mm. is there as well. It's a little too. I I do like that that handy. he he um he engages Dracula in a way that and tries to kind of get to the bottom of who Dracula really is by not going in an aggressive manner. He goes about it in a way that can show his colleagues the truth but without making Dracula feel like he's under threat like the thing with the reflection yeah it was know, that was that, an interesting that choice kind of cool though. That. oh yeah I just yeah but it, it felt I mean maybe you're right but it felt to me when I watched it that it was like it felt like he played his cards too early like why not reveal to them what was going on after he left like Dracula knew then that Van, El- mm. Van Helsing knew who yeah, he was why not just keep that information secret? Explain to them afterwards, and then they'll be able to have a upper hand on Dracula, especially when they know he wants Mina. There was a cool stare down between them. In the, I did in like the that. Room. That was really yeah, cool. Like, that, mono mono. That was good. I like, like that. Dracula that sees him as a legitimate threat. Yes. But I like Dracula doesn't get doesn't get um uh, rough. Doesn't allow himself to seem like he's he's ruffled by it, but obviously he is when he says about um. Joe about the stake, you know, he said like you need to leave this country now and he's saying like, you know, I'll drive the stake yeah. through your heart. You know, and then he goes for him and he has the crucifix ready, you know, so he knows what he's doing, you know. Um, you know, that, yeah. all that stuff was kinda of I did like that and I like the fact that they had that battle of wits mm. and that and that Van Helsing was able to resist it. Was it was like a so. chess match almost. Yeah, no, it was. And, and there was uh, and it was showing that the Dracula wasn't all powerful, yeah. like there were limits to his powers. Mm. Um yeah, so the elements of Van Helsing I thought were interesting, but I, I just thought he was a little flat, especially when you compare him to Renfield. Mm. Renfield was yeah. incredible. I absolutely loved this character, but I think more so I loved the performance. Dwight Fry was... Damon Albarn. <laughs> he does a bit, look him. a bit like uh, from Blur, if you're not aware, and uh, Gorillas as well. Mm. But... Uh, he is incredible in this. Yeah, I agree. I thought he was fantastic. And I'd kind of forgotten how prominent he was as a character in it because I thought he kind of effed off after the opening kind of sequence. He wasn't in it that much after it. But what was cool was we actually see, because in a lot of depictions of Dracula, you don't see how Renfield becomes like a slave to Dracula. So I thought that it was cool that they showed that. 
in a lot of depictions of Dracula, you never see um, how Renfield, at least that I've seen, uh, I you don't see how Renfield becomes a slave to Dracula. Mm. So that was cool that they actually showed that, how he um, comes about. Yeah, no, I, um, well, I, I'll be honest, I haven't seen many adaptations of the novel. I've never, I've never even though I own, I own both of these books, I've owned both of them for uh, over two decades, I think. I've never read either of them, embarrassingly. Um, but the only other straight ad- oh, oh sorry no that's true that's wrong I've seen Nosferatu and I've seen Bram Stoker's Dracula the Francis Ford Coppola version um, I can't I remember Tom Waits being phenomenal as Renfield actually in Francis Ford Coppola's version as well is Renfield in Nosferatu? yeah when he works at the because um, in in the novel and in the Nosferatu version and Nosferatu the Vampire it's Harker who goes up to Dracula to that's what I thought yeah they changed it yeah, Renfield. It works though in this. Oh, it does. Yeah, it works, and especially yeah. when you're dealing with a film that's maybe what an hour and fifteen minutes long, and you you try a compact story. It, it, it brings a lot more. Um, he's a very much a tragic uh, character. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I think it really adds to. I thought he was one of the best char- possibly the best character. I, in I the think film. he is the best yeah. character in the film. Is uh, the character that when he came on stage, when he came on screen, I was enraptured straight away. Mm-hmm. Now, that, to be fair, that is true of Bela Lugosi's Dracula as well. We'll get to him in a second, but um, so many scenes where he's on stage, I'm just, I'm just like, oh, I, I, I could watch. I would love to watch. I've watched a m- full movie about Renfield. I absolutely would have would have sat through that no problem whatsoever. When I was watching, I was thinking, I was like, I'd love to play that character. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but like so many, so many lines as well he has. But like that that shot of him, like you said, the tragedy of the character because we see him as a well-meaning, you know, well-mannered. Yeah. Man who's doing his just doing his job, and he gets turned into this maniacal, raving lunatic. Uh, and, and, and we see that shot when they open up the the ship and they look down into the lower decks, and he's that smile on his face. Yeah. It's it's quite unnerving. Like it kind, it, it kind of shows like the almost like how far he's he's been altered yeah. by Dracula, and that there may be no way back for him now. Mm. Kind of, you know, and like and like just the way like, way t- t- you know like when the um the orderly takes away his 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 spider, and mm. he's like, and he started going on his rant about who wants to be flies, and he was the fly, and, you know, and Dracula is a spider, and he wants to be a spider. That's what mm. he wants. And then of course that's like you point out the scene about where he's crawling over towards her, but also the rats, rats, rats. That yeah. was what a monologue that was. Yeah, and also when he's like, um, it's like midway through the film where he's like, "Oh, please don't ask me to do that, not mm. her." Cause he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to put these people in harm's way because he knows. Especially Mina, happen. like he really, yeah. he seems to really care about Mina, not want to hurt her, and you can see that underneath him, he's still fighting against Dracula's yeah. power, and he does betray but Dracula. Does, yeah. And even though when he says like he's trying to get him to listen to Van Helsing, he says, you know, be guided by what he says, get her out of mm. here. He doesn't want anything. To, they doesn't want anything bad to come of her. But he also then he's worried. I think because he doesn't fully trust Dracula, and he thinks that Dracula may yeah. try and kill him. And if he does, then he can't live with the stuff he's done to innocent people. So it's that dilemma for him. So I think that's possibly why he also treats Dracula like a, a religious figure because. He's worried that he might be betrayed by God if he dies, that God will disown him. Well, then, there is that phenomenal line. Yeah. God will not damn a lunatic soul, yes, which yeah. I thought was a f- yeah. just a r- really, a really great line. But then uh, you know, he says like how, he says like how, um, 
just said that he, he sees Drax as a religious figure because he say, he says that he promised me things not by words but by doing mm. them. So that was a, a way for him to really. You can see why he was so captivated by Dracula and why. Yeah, he's a really conflicted yeah, character. He is, but then at the end, like where he's like, "Yo, punish me, torture me, but don't kill me with all these victims on my conscience." Yeah, because like, he's essentially then he's betrayed by his master here on Earth in Dracula. Yeah, and he believes that he'll be disregarded by God and death. Well, he he believes he's yeah. going to hell. Yeah. yeah, so for him, it's like the worst possible way yeah. to go out. So and you feel the panic in yeah. him. Yeah, yeah he, it's a real tragic yeah. end for him. Yeah, but yeah, uh, brilliant, brilliant character. Oh yeah, uh, and you know, um, the actor who played him, Dwight Fry, he would have made a phenomenal Joker. Yeah. Wouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, first, one, I, first time I saw him as 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 you know the, the mad Renfield, uh, I was like, wow, oh my god! Like, I I mean, I wonder if even like, he may have. I know that, that there was several other parts that influenced the creation of Joker, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, really, I loved the character and the portrayal. But um, speaking of loving the character and the portrayal. Bela Lugosi, Dracula. Um, again, like Renfield, whenever he's on the screen, I sit up and pay attention. Mm. Just captivated by just he has a he had such a natural charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, very yeah. His definitely. his eyes, his voice, the way he moved, like the way he, like when when Renfield, you know, is is in his castle and he, he just glides over to Renfield mm. and just stares down such subtle movements that like another actor you know wouldn't look in any way impressive at all like we were saying earlier there's no music it's all him I mean obviously you know um, Fry as well and the set helps mm. the costume helps but that's an amazing performance uh, even like when he sees the cut on on Renfield's finger you see mm. he's always got his zones in yeah it's instantly that opportunity like he just his zones in on it but he's also he's um he's very methodical then like he really plans well like you know, like Renfield says assures him that like my visit has been kept secret you know so mm. everything has been followed all the instructions have been followed to a T so he's very calculated as well like he makes these plans well in advance in the way he wants things to go forward, you know. Yeah, it's true. But then you wonder, like, the end, he kind of didn't really think forward to the whole mourning thing. Like... Well, I don't think he anticipated that Van Helsing was going to figure out all that, you know. Well, like, he's literally living next door. No, but I don't think he was going to figure out that... that um, well, well, I was supposed he... goes back to the coffin, like, you know. He, he didn't anticipate help, but you know. I mean, but he knew Van Helsing knew a lot about him and mm. about vampires. Like, he knew about the wolfsbane. Mm. He knew about the crucifix, the mirror... Um, like and, and Van Helsing doesn't like learn that at any point he, 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 I mean like I was saying earlier like it's not knowledge that he's studied or he just seems to have that knowledge mm. maybe Dracula doesn't think about that it just seems a little bit of a, an oversight that he just kind of goes to bed obviously well, he I, has to I, t- I, I, I think to be honest I think Dra- maybe Dracula felt the end was near for him because I think that's possibly one of the reasons why he kills Renfield is almost in frustration that that everything that, you is, could is be nearing right. the end for you, him, you, you could know? be right that, that could be it um, but he also didn't, there's always like something behind his words like you know when he says like I never drink wine yeah, yeah, yeah. or he says um, yeah. he says there are far t- uh, there are far worse things awaiting man than death yeah. I was wondering was he referring to kind of the torture of immortality that I, I think so I think that's what he's talking about that death is a release mm. 
you know, the tongue, I mean... It's after that. that and maybe they're suggesting, yeah, that he mm. would like to die. Mm. Um, which might tie in with, with your theory that... Um, maybe not that he wanted death, but maybe he accepted death at the mm. end. Um, that's an interesting theory, actually. I didn't hit me, but when you say it, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I did, I did agree that that, that line... Um, about uh, there are far worse things than death, and also the poem, um, when he recites, you know, when Lucy starts it and he finishes it, mm. like he's clearly a very you know well read, yeah. you know, intelligent, um, yeah. uh, individual. Um, yeah, I I thought it was really really great performance, and obviously a great character. Yeah, just uh, as well, just like in how he walks, well, like again, like the kind of character is methodical, the way he moves, it's all kind of uh, very. Um, deliberate kind of, you know, yeah, specific. Uh, but yeah, not a really good character, and I think Kim and Renfield were the two stars. Yeah, I agree definitely. Um, we go move on to Frankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein. So I have um the Baron, Elizabeth, Henry, and the creature. Uh, yeah, I I I didn't know much of the Baron, but he's hilarious. <laughs> so uh, funny. <laughs> Oh, um, I, I, I think I laughed at every scene he's in, except for the ending, obviously. Um, even though he is funny in that as well, but I just I was, I was too upset to, to, uh, to laugh. What was the hit with, with, with Herr Vogel when he's coming in? Do you know? Oh, oh like, yeah. What does that man want? Do you know that whole? <laughs> so dismissive. Yeah. Um, he, as I said, like he, he's so He's exactly what I'd expect a nineteenth-century German baron <laughs> to look and act like. Yeah. And when he walks into the to where. Henry's working he sees the kind of the torch on the ground like yeah. what's going on trying to burn the place down now yeah, or yeah. something very witty um, he's so oblivious to everything that's going yeah, on yeah. like you know but he's he's comic relief which you know he is and it's just funny because um, he's also I mean obviously he's a very uh, like I don't say foreboding but a very kind of uh, like a powerful character mm. like I mean he, he demands great respect from everybody yeah, around everyone, him yes yeah um, and you can imagine him getting really furious and mm. you know not wanting to be in his way and and that comes across well in the portrayal as well. Oddly for me, I got a weird sense of of David Lynch from him. Mm. Um, I <laughs> have you ever seen David Lynch act? No. That is... uh, Which is David Lynch? David Lynch, you know the director. He oh, did Twin Peaks fly. and uh, no, you're doing that's David Cronenberg. Sorry, uh, David Lynch did, did uh, you know did Twin. Oh yeah, Twin Peaks. I I had never seen him act. I don't think. Maybe I have. I don't know. Mulholland Drive and and stuff like that. You know. Um, yeah, he he acts in uh in Twin Peaks actually, and he has that kind of actually in Twin Peaks he's quite a humorous uh character, and there's like a weird, I don't know maybe it was just kind of weird connection in my head, but just there was a, a semblance of his character Cole I think his name is in Twin Peaks mm. in in the Baron there, but um uh yeah no, I know I really enjoyed his character even though he's. He's not a very likable character in, in some ways. Like for example, when he says that you wonder drinking or toasting Victor at the uh before the wedding, mm. and like he, they bring out the bottle of wine, like a what was like a hundred year old wine or something yeah. like that, and then he goes, uh oh um just <laughs> which is quite hilarious in itself, but he says, oh um just give the servants champagne, um this would be wasted on them. <laughs> um, so the dismissive yeah. of the sermon, which you know, it is like you know, obviously, I'm I'm not a very not a fan of you know people looking down on others, you know. It's a funny line. Though. But it's a funny line, and uh, but it's also hilarious that he would think that champagne 
was fine. Mm. Like, oh, it's just champagne. That's nothing. <laughs> but this stuff is truly special. So I won't waste that on them. But um, yeah, no, I, th- I thought it, I thought he was an actually much needed comic relief. It, it needed that that moments of mm. uh, in a break yeah. um, because it's a very dark film. Not a character you'd expect, but he's a welcome no. character. Yeah, very welcome, very welcome. Elizabeth. Um. Yeah. Uh, you want to start? Well, it, it's weird because I kind of feel like her and Victor and even the professor, they kind of represent almost subconsciously represent the side of Victor that's telling why they shouldn't be doing this. You know, they're the vices of reason, but also the vices of support. You know, they never, um, particularly Elizabeth, she never um, uh, wanes from her support to to to, or to Henry. Sorry. Uh, in supporting him and being with him, you know, mm. she's very loyal to him, you know. And even then, it's interesting how she kind of senses that something, you know, is going to happen uh, later in the film when the monster does, of course, come in and attack. You know, she can sense something's going to happen, try to come between them, you know. Um, yeah, no, I agree. There is the, she is the humanity that Victor has left behind, mm. and then when he stops his quest, you know, his search for you know a way to reverse death. He comes back and he's this different person around her, and like, he's back at humanity again. You wonder if they had done and spoilers if you haven't read the book, but if she had been killed by the monster, it would have made it more tragic, you know. And so that that part of his life, that pure part of his life, you know, um, with her, because uh, she's like completely innocent and all that, you know what I mean? Um, it oh yeah, more, yeah, yeah. She, she's, more she's completely innocent, innocent. I'll be honest, again, like um, Mina and uh, Lucy, they're more plot points than interesting characters. Mm. They're just there for Henry to respond to or the creature to endanger. But she's not really a developed character in herself. I found her more engaging, though, than the other two. Than Mina? Yeah, I found uh, the... And I'm not saying she did a bad job yeah. or anything. It just, no, I just she wasn't that, given yeah. much. Yeah, there's only a certain a certain amount she could do. With what like she, she acted had. well, like yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, she 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 portrayed it as definitely as best she mm. could. There's nothing against her performance. I just thought there's not a lot of. I mean, she's just she's there. She's pleading with Victor to come home, and then you know she he does, and then she's telling him he's worried. She's he, she's worried about the wedding, and then she's attacked. That's it, really, for her in the film, right? I mean, um, there's not a whole lot going on. Um, but I thought she, she was portrayed well. Do you want to talk about um, Victor and the and the doctor? Um, well, I, I said they're well, kind of yeah. Victor doesn't really do much. Uh, the he doc- seems to be into Elizabeth, though. like he has yeah. Kind of, that's weird. Yeah. They dropped that. Like it's clear that he likes he her. Does. I'll do he anything for you. Like, he kind and of then he's it. best man. Yeah. Of, of Henry. Well, Henry obviously has a lot of respect for him because he says, "I leave her in your care." So yeah. It to and me. he and he even emphasizes in all respects. In other words, marry her when I'm yeah. gone, which is so the last reference to to that. Um, yeah, he definitely has a kind of an unrequited love going on uh, the, the doctor though I agree with you that he's supposed to represent the humanity that Victor is leaving behind when he's experimenting in, in this macabre and, and horrific way but he seems to be as fascinated as Victor afterwards Like he's experimenting on him further it seems after the creature doesn't die 
and he's going to dissect him. And the way he's so dismissive of the creature as well, calling him an animal yeah. and saying, just kill him, just put him down. Uh, there's nothing about, oh, let's, let's study him. Let's see if he has a spark of humanity, maybe a soul even. You know, it just, there's no, he just wants to just kill it straight away. Yeah. And I think he deserves to die. Maybe I don't know. That's uh, that's that's how I feel anyway. anyway. We're going to Henry. Uh, well, just to say that I feel like he's kind of like as well, kind of represents the past versus Henry. Mm. No, yeah, the future I as see well. that kind definitely. Of kind of a parallel there. I well. feel like this maybe. I think the Doctor more so than Henry. I feel is kind of that Antonio vibe going on again. Merchant of Venice, Antonio vibe. Um. Yeah, I think that's what it's running yeah. as well. Okay. Um, the monster. Oh, you want to go to creature first? Okay. I think Fra- I I don't know with the Dracula last, but I I think Frankenstein is the main character. I I, I think. Okay. All right. I don't know. What do you, do you think? Um, for me, um, I I know you're saying that Henry is. I also in the, think like more I love, of the film. I I obviously we'll talk about the monster in a second. I do love Boris right. Karloff, but I kind of his name his name more well, country. We watched a documentary the other night, whatever last night. But the guy who plays Frankenstein, I think, is phenomenal. Yeah, no, I, I think he's the, he's the star of of the film. I think Boris Karloff does a really good job as a monster, but I think for me, I, that's kind of why I was going to leave it to last. Bit. Okay, okay, we're going to creatures. I don't mind. They're, they're both. They're it's both, fine. It's fine. We won't argue. We won't argue about it. It's apples and oranges, I guess. Yeah. You know, they're both. Okay, so the creature answer. is a tortured soul. Um, like in the film, he only lashes out once he's been threatened. You know, like, um, Fritz comes in with a torch, and so he gets violent. Right, okay. Then afterwards, um, at the bottom, when he's down in the, in the cellar, and Fritz is torturing him horrifically, and he fights back, and he kills mm-hmm. Fritz. Yeah. Then they're trying to kill him, so he fights back. Then the doctor tries to dissect him, killing him, and he kills the doctor. I don't the, think they were trying to kill him when he came out of the, the room. They were just trying to. Yes, kinda, they were. He mm. said, "Put him down like an animal. Kill him." And and Henry's like, "Okay." They no. get they get the needle. They intend to kill him. That was the whole point. To, to no, like that, at that point, they were just trying to. Um, no. They were trying to, to. No, he, Henry agrees that that he, okay. We we got to kill him. He's killed somebody now. He's killed Fritz. We got to put him down. That that's it. They're going to kill him. And then the doctor writes in his notes. You know, every time I try the thing, you know, with the potion, he keeps coming back. I'll have to dissect him. And and he, he kills the doctor because he's literally about to chop him up into pieces. He goes off then, he meets the little girl, Maria. Um, Maria, he was playing with her and he the idea of floating is what he understands. Again, we've established he's maybe a week old at this, at this stage. And he throws her into the into the river, expecting her to float, and she doesn't. You see the horror on his face, and he realizes that he has caused her pain. And only then, after that, he actually he violence on uh, Elizabeth, yeah, who did nothing to him. Yes. that's the point I was making. Yeah, yeah, no, so he yeah. Does, like... I say, yeah, but but he but but he. It's not. Did he pick any random? No, woman? no, just because you you said that all his attacks no, are yeah, done in defense. I was saying. I said up until a point, oh. all of them are until Elizabeth. But Elizabeth is Victor's fiance. Like yeah, he's Henry. not picking a random woman. He didn't attack any other women, you know, in the village. He didn't go for any of the maids. 
He went for her because he wanted to hurt Vic, hurt Henry even. Sorry, he wanted to hurt Henry. And then afterwards, the people he kills in the hill or attacks their mob chasing him. Now I understand why they're chasing him, obviously, because you know he caused death of a child. I mean, I totally get that. But he's again fighting back because they're trying to kill him, and then they burn him alive. He or he throws he throws Henry out, who absolutely deserves to die. Um. I mean, I don't see how... He's not a monster. He's a creature. Um, he does have monstrous moments, though. Uh, again, just opinion. Like, I mean, your, but, your opinion. Well, what, 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 um, what does he do besides attack Elizabeth that is monstrous? Uh, that, that is, like... You know, besides that. You know, that's, like, one scene in the entire film. And that's uh, after he's been tortured. Remember, like, he's been brought back to life. He's been tortured. He's been dismissed as nothing. An animal... Trying to be put down twice by his creator and by his creator's teacher. He tries to interact with humanity and it goes horribly wrong. And he's a week old. Can't you understand he'd have a moment of... And he doesn't even kill her. It sounds like he kills her. He, he what, scares her? Do we even know what he does in the room? Cap down. It's just a pin. Jeez. I'm not um... attacking you. I'm, I'm defending the creature. Yeah, I'm not saying that he's a, he's a, that he starts off and he's not at all. I'm not saying he, at the start he's not. And actually, there is some really nice moments with him with lice and and with Frankenstein between the two of them. There's kind of a tenderness there. Um, it's only when Fritz comes in with a torch that it kind of escalates. Yeah, like into he's not a misunderstanding. Well, I, 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 I wonder what would have happened if he hadn't. If I always wonder what would happen if Fritz hadn't come in, because um, Henry was very pleased with with how, how he was engaging with him. You know. Um, uh, and yeah, I, again, I thought I would have been, I would have been curious to see what would have happened if he hadn't come in with the torch, how things would have gone. I think people wouldn't have been willing to accept him anyway, even if even if Henry would, um, just of how he looked, you know. Yeah, no, um, I think people would have been horrified. It was always going to end end tragic for him, you know. Yeah, no, it was always him. yeah. Um, um, but then obviously as well, like yeah, he's like a child when he kind of meets Maria, and there's a kind of happiness and glee, yeah. you know, playing with her, and then he kind of in trying to kind of enhance the sense of fun and enjoyment, he makes a tragic mistake of throwing her in the water and not realizing that, not realizing that she's liable to drown. Um, and then, yeah, as, you, as you mentioned, there's that kind of fear and confusion in his face, not understanding why she's not coming back up, you know. Um, but then obviously then you have the attack, as I'm saying, on, on, on uh, Elizabeth. And you see there is that kind of, there is a bit of that monster now coming out of him, you know, that pe- why people are afraid of him. Um, a bit of it kind of comes true, you know. We, we so don't actually we don't actually see what he does in that room, though. Like, he just walks in. He does pass out, though. He's still, he yeah, some, passing out, but, like, I mean... Like, well, obviously, he did something. He wasn't intended to say, hi, how are you? I know, know, but, like, do you think the size of him would have caused her to pass out anyway? Yeah, but I think he was intended to do something to make her feel I mean, that's, that, that's, a, that, that, that's the suggestion I took from it. But he doesn't, he doesn't kill her. He doesn't even hurt her, I don't think. She just passes out. Like, she's not, you know, like, he didn't rip an arm off or, you know, like, cause her to have a severe injury or anything. She just passed out, probably from shock. But um, I agree that, that that is a moment where he turns and you can understand. And also the villagers, you can totally understand why they're horrified. Oh, yeah, because, him. like, they, they, they've... Obviously, she's been killed, but also then when they've seen, like, oh, something's happened with Elizabeth, 
from their point of view, you can see why they're terrified and think, okay, this this creature is, is uh, yeah, a menace. Yeah, yeah, and then they feel it has to be killed. I, I understand um, where the where the the mob are coming. I liked from. that there was that co- that contrast. <laughs> so they have the scene where he's looking at his hands up at the light, and then his hands out the Frankenstein. Yeah. And then the next scene where he they chain him up and his hands are up, but he's, mm. you know, in captivity and he's yeah. trying to it's almost like trying to get that freedom back, which is kind of cool. And, and yes, cool and cruel. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I just thought I thought Karloff put in a phenomenal performance. Again, he's no words in this mm. film. And they also did they mention that during the making of it, he has to like he had he kept him to take where he drags um. Oh, uh, yeah. what was his name again? The actor really played Frank. Henry uh, up the hill at the very end. Yes, yeah, so did he keep doing that out. take? And he had to get back surgery. Yeah, like three so back surgeries afterwards. Really, um, also, like the, the makeup, physicality. the makeup was was yeah. excruciating as well because it was really early form of makeup and didn't have the the you know, latex and stuff like that that we you know we have yeah. now. Yeah. Um. Uh, about the Henry. Yeah. Okay. Uh. So yeah, I think the actor who played Henry is. It's fantastic. And mm-hmm. I think just even before we get to, like, in the film, before we get to the monster, stuff with Henry is so, he's such an interesting character. Um, and the fact that he, he, um, so there was one of the first lines he has is, it's just resting, waiting for a new life to come. And the way he's kind of treasuring the coffin that has the corpse in it, like, like it's a kind of a trophy or a prize. And there's all that talk of, like, people accusing him of being crazy and how he's so adamant to defend that uh, but i think what's really interesting is the reaction he has so victor says you're crazy henry and he just he doesn't get angry he just looks at him and he does this silence and he's like crazy am i and you see a look in his eyes that almost kind of signifies how crazy he does become at one point in trying to yeah but i i I, I, I agree and like he is off from the start like we spoke mm-hmm. earlier about um the grave digging scene yeah, and, and what are you and, doing? And collecting <laughs> the gallows. But even like the doctor says at one point that you know he's trying to get his bodies and he doesn't care by what means. Mm, yes. Is does. there a suggestion that he's killing people? Like I'd probably not, but I, I, I wondered. That, but, I but, wondered. But and obviously illegally like Oh yeah. And, and, then, and then he steals the brain. Yeah. Um and or you know, Fred, it gets Fritz to steal the brain. Yeah. Um, and then of course there's normal brain and criminal brain yeah. and I thought it was very fa- I meant to bring this up actually with the creature but it was very fascinating that the brain that Fritz selects is the criminal brain mm-hmm. but he never acts criminal well, maybe you'll disagree but for me he never acts criminally until pushed to breaking point yeah that was interesting that uh, he wasn't like bad from the get go yeah like he's not like mm-hmm. some evil monster straight away um, he's a, he's an innocent soul who's reaching up to the light and then is terrified by flames because, and torture. Because it was it was so interesting though because he says, um, "And you, you should know, Doctor, it was from your laboratory. I took the brain. He's mm. like the brain that was stolen from my laboratory was a criminal brain. Yes, yeah. And Henry kind of takes a moment, kind of yeah. where he's like, "What have I done? Yeah, just for a second, like, yeah. um, but even then, like he." he Kind of like in the book as well. There's this thing where he wants to kind of achieve this level of like, um, you know, being championed as this great yeah, he, man. He's an egomaniac. Yeah, he wants to kind of the glory and to be respected yeah, at this, yes. on this pedestal. Um, even then, Joey says like, when he's like, uh, you know, with my own hands, you know, marveling over his abilities. Mm. Um, it's a prelude to the line about, you know, now I know what it feels like to be God. 
um, which I mean, as you said earlier, his performance is excellent. It mm. is, and in that scene in particular, oh, I love that line. it's it yeah. is it is enrapturing. Yeah, like you just like you can't help but, you, you, but you're not going to look away during that scene. It's like there's a surge of like just pleasure, and kind of he's on a high when when, when that moment when he says that, just the way he turns back and just kind of just in ecstasy. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You, know, you can see just like there's just. Mm. His, he can't contain his body can't contain the emotions he's feeling at that point where and he's, right? to him he's he's almost surpassed humanity mm. on the next level but as well do you know noticed as well is do you know when the body goes up um when there when there's a storm and they move the body up to the top of the with the roof there's a little opening do you know yeah, yeah 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 and there's like the, the the you're the thunder and everyone's kind of flinching but if you look at Frankenstein he's looking up and he never moves once he just keeps his eyes on it mm. the whole time it's kind of concentration where everyone else in the room victor and elizabeth and the I think professor uh draw kind of flinching at times and he just kind of keeps the stare completely, looking up completely focused just, yeah completely something right. or just one thing just kind of slightly taking topic for changing topic for a second we, we never mentioned it before and but the the uh the set design of the laboratory was amazing mm. yeah truly really, incredible really like just it would hold up today no problem and I think they've reused it for decades later they said in, in so many different sequels and other films um, just while we were on the laboratory I wanted to bring that in because I forgot to mention mm. earlier the set was was phenomenal yeah no it was really good um, um, it's interesting that it's it kind of it's when Fritz is killed that he really kind of um, realised the consequences of the actions and how extreme and real they are and how tragedy is very much going to be at the forefront of this because he does kind of says like you know he laments over Fritz, and the, you know the Fritz has been killed. Um, I think that's I mean, when for he can, maybe a minute. No, he does because he doesn't. He's kind of dream after. He's kind of dream. He's kind of passed out. And he said Fritz, Fritz. What else is interesting as well, though, is that when, when um, um, he when the professor says that like, uh, they're gonna have to put it down or go through it, and he says, but he he does say, well, that's murder. Like he does kind of. There is a moment where he's like, yo, it's murder if we kill it. You know. Yeah. So but he is kind of showing it in that sort of thing. Yeah, he, still, he still agrees to it. Yeah. I know he does on this time. I thought that was interesting. I thought that was an interesting aspect oh, of yeah, the, you know, yeah. the character. He has, um, he has phenomenal philosophical concepts yeah. like that he, he's talking about and going into earlier, even before the experiment actually takes place. And he's discussing why he's doing what he's doing. Like, they didn't say I'm mad, but like, you know, I want to know how, uh, what makes the, the flowers bud, you know, what is death? I mean... Mm. He's fascinated by these concepts, yeah. and, and and they are really interesting concepts. Wasn't yeah, that was the lines like uh, one, one crazy person, three very sane individuals, or something uh, like uh, that. Uh, yeah. Was it viewers? Or something? Yeah. Spectators. Spectators. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and then also, um, what's interesting is, uh, so do you know when they're given the toast, you know, to the son of the house of Frankenstein? Mm. I don't know, maybe you didn't notice it, but I saw it. You see in his face, he kind of has this look of like almost guilt. And it's like, like some of the stuff I have just, I have done, you know, the last, whatever long it was, maybe a month ago. Some of the stuff I've done, do I, am I deserving of this praise? Like these people don't know some of the stuff I've done. I thought it was, um, again, another aspect of his character. They're not very, very interesting. I did not see that. I did not get that at all. I did. I saw that in his face. I'm not saying that's not there, but I never noticed it. But like, because... I'll be honest, I, I felt the exact opposite. I felt like, you know, once he came back and he's sitting with Elizabeth in the garden, he was like, oh, yes, of course, I was acting very silly not, there for a yeah, while. Yeah, not, 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 and not there. no understanding of the... Oh, no, I, I, know, I know you're saying it's not, it was later at the toast. Mm. What I'm saying is, 
I had gotten the feeling from him that he, to be honest, for me, I, I got written here is like that he, um, he, he exemplified the kind of spoiled upper class rich people that just go and do whatever they want and then don't have to worry about the repercussions of their actions. Like the, you know, like he, he's he's broken the law. He's stolen brains, desecrated graves, um, he created life, dismissed it, um, caused the death of his colleague, you know, Fritz, and and then obviously his doctor. And then it's like, oh yeah, I'll just go get married. Oh, he doesn't know about the doctor at that point. But it's like, oh, I'll go get married. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, grand, no worries. Um, I I I feel he's a hor- he's a horrific character in my eyes. He is he is the villain. Of the, of the well, they often say is the Frankenstein is the monster yeah. himself. You know, he is um, a, he is a monster. But uh, for me, though, he's the, that character is is the star. I think it's a fantastic character, um, which is why I wanted to talk about him last. But I think the actor who played him was unreal. Um, I agree. I agree that he's a really great character, yeah. and I agree the actor was was excellent. Um, I do think that he is horrific though and i think that uh, i was sickened that he survived and he had a happy life with elizabeth oh yeah i elizabeth. was glad he survived i don't know why i was glad he survived <laughs> uh yeah no i i said like earlier with the music like it really angered me uh and either like it ends on a joke after we see the creature burning to death um it does reinforce their the attitude of that class of people though how they think mm-hmm. of others it's just Oh, it's not even, you know, like the way they thought about Irish people or black people, you know, they're not real humans. Their lives aren't worth the same. On that, um, you ready to vote? Yeah. Um, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Uh, I can go first. Um, again, it is close. Uh, both films have two phenomenal characters for me. Renfield and Dracula, the creature and Henry. Um, uh, I think I have to go. The one, the character I was most invested in, you probably noticed that already, it was the creature. Mm. Um, I thought you were going to say Renfield, to be honest. Uh, well, Renfield and, and the creature are the two characters for me that stand out among the, the whole film uh, the most. They're the two. Yeah, I mean Henry and Dracula are fantastic as well. Like I mean, they are the four that like they make both films, but the the two that I I, I was enraptured by the most. I feel Dracula maybe suffers a bit because uh, it's such a huge part of pop culture. But um, the story of Frankenstein is I think I think, think Frankenstein is a better film. I agree. I think it is a better. Um, film. and the story of the creature. And the story of Renfield are actually quite similar. They go on similar paths, you know, innocent starting off and then descend into horror. Um, but Creature seal, seals it more than Renfield, so I go with Frankenstein. Um, uh, I love this. Yeah. So for me, it was, uh, it, again, it was Renfield and Dracula and then Frankenstein and, and, and the creature or the monster, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, those were the four great characters in the two films um but henry was the character i enjoyed the most so i think henry is what gives it to frankenstein frankenstein gives it to frankenstein okay so that's uh that's four two frankenstein takes it over dracula 
A very close fought battle, though. Yeah, the 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 characters one were very close in mm. particular. Because um, I mean, Dracula is a, I mean, what a character he is. Obviously, mm. I think it does suffer from the fact that we're. Uh, for me personally, definitely the fact it suffers from the fact that I'm so familiar with the character. Like it's the first time I've seen this film, as I've said, but I mean, I know that character inside and out. Um, and that's probably why Renfield grabbed me more so. Like I, I'd love to have see, I'd love to go in blind and see this film. I mean, it's obviously impossible in this day and age, but it would be very interesting to see yeah, like, how my, different than my reaction would be. It, 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 it's interesting as well because, like, you know, obviously, Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff are, are, you know, the stars of the movies. Mm. But, and they were both fantastic, really good jobs, but, like, Renfield and Frankenstein, for me, I think, were the two best characters from the two films. It's just interesting, you know. Yeah, I, I would go with Renfield. Um, I feel... I feel like I think um it's closer. I I I I get what you're seeing in 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 Henry. Like I mean, I I see it as well. I think we disagree on how we feel about the character, but we both identify the character as great. Um, I think there's even because the, the creature isn't in as much as as obviously as Frankenstein is. Um, but there's a subtlety to Carlos' performance, and there's a tragedy to the story of his character. That I I just couldn't help but feel for him. Um, it's interesting. Like I wonder, I I often wonder, what was the view of the director Whale and the and the and the writer? I mean, I haven't read um Mary Shelley's book, so I'm not sure. But I read the book. Even I know you have, but mm. even with her, I wonder, does she, is to her was Victor. In the book, obviously, he's Victor. To her, was Victor the monster? Well, when we when I studied it, like um, I studied it in the states, uh, we did talk about like how Victor, in many ways, is, is the that's Victor's name in the novel, obviously, yeah. that he is the the villain, um, uh, and that the monster is the is the tragic figure, yeah, and that he's driven to become the, the, a monster himself because of. What he goes through with, uh, with Victor, and also the fact that like he in the in the novel he meets a family and he be, kind of. I, 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 to me, suppose because I do want to read it at okay, some point. Right, okay. Um, but basically, it, it, would you feel that Shelley intended him to be the monster, or Victor, or it, both? It, it, it's hard to say. Okay, I'd, okay, I'd say, it, it's left up for debate. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I'm just I'm just fascinated yeah. by whether. Like, because I think you know, definitely Merchant of Venice is one I often go back to, and I've mentioned it twice already tonight. But, uh, like Shakespeare did not intend people to empathize with Shylock, mm. because when he wrote that, it was totally acceptable to hate Jewish people, to openly hate Jewish people. Like it was totally fine; there was no problem. So, by making Shylock Jewish, it was like actually an easy way to get the audience to hate him. Um. But we thankfully don't have those prejudices, um. So we just see a character who one we know has had a a, a sad history even back then. I mean, the Jews have had a long sad history. But that he's, you know, been looked down upon. I, I think if you see that coming in again, I hate when people look down on others like as if they're better than them. And obviously, our class structure is very different now than it was back then, and we don't accept. Oh, that certain classes are better than others, and Antonio was a different class to Shylock, so he was better than him. Um, Henry is a different class to uh, the creature, 
So, oh, he's better than him. Or even Fritz. Like, if Henry had died the way Fritz had died, it would have been way more of a hoopla made. Because mm. um, Fritz isn't worth as much. Even though I do not do think Fritz was a horrific character. He brought it himself. He absolutely yeah. did. But you know what I'm saying? Like, um, there is that emotion. There is that. And it's interesting to think, <clears throat> excuse me, did the, was the author's intention or the writer's intention or the creator's intention the same as what, how we take it now? It's interesting to think about. Mm. No, yeah. But um, on that, we'll uh, leave it for tonight, this, this episode. Um, next week, we have... It's, uh, Friday the 13th versus A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. This is, again, going on a completely different... Full-blown slasher gore. I uh, often would like, yeah, I guess he is. I was going to say, is Freddy a slasher? I guess he yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, running around chasing mm. a load of teens. I mean, you can't, you can't have that not be a slasher. Um, um, but yeah, no, th- th- I'm actually looking forward to that. It's going to be such a different change of pace. <laughs> it certainly to, is. Um, to what we did this week. Uh, so And even very much change of pace, even compared to yeah, last week, last week yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, th- these are very different oh, films. Oh, completely. A different era um, and everything, a different yeah. style of which is what we're, Which is, should be clear now, with this is the, coming up next week, it's the third week of our horror fest. We're trying to dip in and around different eras, different genres, different types of horror films. Some are, like last week, have, you know, really kind of excellent dramatic, you know, vein running through it and phenomenal performances. This, we're going back to the the beginning and the subtlety of early classic genesis of horror of horror and then we're going into 80s splatterfest uh, 80s horror kind of at its uh as pump yeah 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 it's certainly certainly among its popular for in its popular format uh, at its peak so um I, i'm looking forward to it uh liam is definitely more familiar with the films than i am even though i have seen both but, but but it's always when you watch them under this lens though it's always different it is always know? different it is always different yeah I've never I haven't watched a film yet for this and not kind of made a revelation in my head about something that I hadn't thought of beforehand but see and there's even stuff like that you kind of you might have wanted or you might have talked looked talked about before but it's never really it never really came up or now you're looking at certain characters in a certain way and you're like you're throwing stuff and saying, "What did you think of that?" Or you know, you can look at things. Yeah, you're you're pushing yourself and to ask analyze. people to see how they look and, at it. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, join us next week for more fun, and more we analysis. You, we hope you enjoyed this, and uh, we didn't ramble on a little too long at the end. Uh, <laughs> um, ramble on, as Robert Plant would say. Um, but yeah, okay. So until next week, next we'll, week um, we'll leave it. We'll leave it there. So we'll leave it there. So. 